If you have a Bible, open it up to Hebrews chapter 7. Be in verses 23 to 28 this morning. Hebrews chapter 7. And uh, we will read it as we uh, go along this morning. Uh, I'm only going to talk for a few minutes and then we're actually going to sing some more before we leave. Uh, just in order to leave on a note of worship as you guys go away. Um, let me ask this. How many of you have uh, no finals left? Anybody totally done? Okay, good. All right. Look at your friends and hiss them heartily, right? How many of you, uh, how many of you have uh, more than two remaining? Oh, wow. Okay. More than three? Anybody still have more than four left? Oh, my goodness. Okay. A couple people have. Uh, all right. We'll be praying for you. All right. But... Uh, Either way, you've got, uh, what, three days maximum, right, before you go home. There may be a lot crammed into those three days. Uh, For a few of you, there's nothing crammed into those three days. You're going to just rest. But then you're going to get to go home, spend time with family, hopefully, uh, spend time exchanging gifts, worshiping Jesus. And uh, Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year, uh, as I'm sure it is yours. But as you think about Christmas's past, I want you just to think about last year for a minute and uh, ask yourself this question. What did you get for Christmas last year? Do you remember? Try to think about it. What gifts did you get? Did you receive? This past week, I was hoping to use an illustration of some gift that I got uh, last year, but I sat in my office and I racked my brain and I could not think of any that I received. I just couldn't remember them. Now, I'm sure that they were nice and they were thoughtful gifts, but for whatever reason, I could not remember the gifts that I got. Uh, And it might be because after a year has gone by, they've either been used up, they've been broken, they've been discarded, whatever it may be, uh, the gifts don't last very long. Uh, My dad is a guy that always asks for books for Christmas, and so several years ago, we bought him one of the books that he was really excited about getting, and uh, under the tree, he opened it up, he was really visibly excited to receive this book, and immediately began to read it, and we thought, man, we really... Uh, did a great job picking his gift until we realized that he was going to read the entire gift before the end of the day. And uh, he actually finished that book before Christmas was over, put it up on the shelf while we were still there, and there it was. Our gift had been used up, put on a shelf with other books, and was used no more after that day. We actually asked him, Dad, next time please wait until we at least leave the house before you uh, read the book that we have given you, right? He probably doesn't even remember it anymore. And most of us, if we're honest, the gifts that we get, they just don't last. We don't remember what they are. You may have one or two from your lifetime that really stand out, but eventually it's going to be discarded, it's going to be used up, it's going to fade away. And that's why I think it's a shame a lot of times at Christmas, really, and we hear this a lot, but I really do think it's a shame that we put so much emphasis on the material gifts that we receive and we stress out and we worry about making sure we have just the right gift for just the right people and we wonder about the gifts we're going to get and we put all of this emphasis on the material gifts that we're going to receive when in reality they're not going to last and yet we look at the scriptures and we have an opportunity during Christmas to remember the eternal gift of Jesus Christ. And so I think that the exhortation for us this Christmas as we go out from Hebrews 7, we're going to tie Hebrews 7 into this idea of the eternality of Jesus Christ, that in contrast to everything you're going to receive in uh, 13 days, Jesus Christ is going to live forever. Jesus Christ is going to last forever. He's eternal. 
And as we've looked at the book of Hebrews, one of the themes that the author keeps pounding over and over and over again is that Jesus will last forever. And therefore, he can provide salvation for us eternally. He can provide a relationship with God for us eternally in a way that nobody else on earth can, in a way that no other system, no other ritual, no other gift, nothing can provide for us the depth and the relationship and the eternality that we can have by knowing Jesus Christ, nothing else. And we're going to look briefly at the last part of Hebrews chapter 7 this morning. I'm just going to talk, like I said, for a few minutes, but I want to give you two thoughts about Jesus' eternality and how he will last forever. Uh, whether you're just going away for Christmas, whether you are graduating, anybody graduating? Okay, all right, good. Whether you're graduating, whether you are uh, uh, 85 years old, all right, and you're looking at the end of your life, there's an eternality to Jesus Christ that is greater than anything else that we are going to know on this earth. All right, so Hebrews chapter 7, let me read starting in verse 23. It says, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. All right, so Jesus provides first an eternal mediation. If you remember, as we've walked through Hebrews, especially these last few weeks, we've talked about Jesus as the priest, the high priest, who replaces the Old Testament priest, and he's better because he's sinless and he's eternal. Whereas the Old Testament priest had to keep making sacrifices. The Old Testament priest died. The Old Testament priest was nothing but human. Jesus is both human and divine. And so he, in a way that the Old Testament priests of the law never could, Jesus can provide an eternal mediation, relationship between us and God, where our sins are forever taken care of, where we forever receive the benefits of knowing the God of the universe. After you go home, a few days after you get there, some of you are going to receive your grades, right? You're going to get online and uh, probably look at those grades. When I was in school, we actually had to call a little system that would give us our grades, and we had to listen while an automated voice gave them very slowly, right? (laughs) And that was the system, right? Now you're going to go, you're going to get online, you're going to find out your grades, and some of you will be happy with your grades, some of you will be unhappy with your grades. Now, some of you might decide you're so unhappy with a grade that you want to appeal it, maybe to the professor, or you want to appeal it to the department head, or whoever it is. Uh, but one person that you probably won't appeal directly to is this guy, right? You guys know who this is, right? President of Texas A&M. Okay. You don't have access to him, unfortunately. You want to appeal to him, I suppose you could send him an email, but what's he going to say? I'm not the guy. You need to go talk to somebody else about 30 levels below me on the totem pole. You can't directly approach him. But let's pretend hypothetically for a minute that uh, you happen to be roommates or best friends with his son. And his son's going to hang out with you over Christmas break and you get a bad grade and you say, hey, can you help me deal with this? Right? He gets on his cell phone. He goes, hey, dad, my friend has a problem. You deal with it. Sure, right? Grade fixed, right? Hypothetically, okay? (laughs) Now, what Hebrews 7 tells us is it's very similar with us in our relationship with God. You go home for Christmas and you struggle with sin because you're away from your community, because you're lonely, because you're, you're in a difficult place at home and maybe home for some of you is a tough place. Guess who's with you? The eternal mediator, Jesus Christ. And so whether you can get on the phone and call a friend who can encourage you or not, you can get on your knees in prayer before Jesus Christ, the Son of the God 
who made the universe. And know that his spirit lives inside you and Jesus hears your prayer and he can empower you through God's spirit to obey him. You need wisdom to know how to talk to your parents, how to talk to your siblings, how to deal with some friends back home. You go to Jesus Christ, the son of God. And he mediates on your behalf. That's why James 1 says, if you want wisdom from God, you ask him. And it's provided through Jesus Christ by the power of his spirit. And so wherever you go, Jesus Christ forever acts as a mediator between us and God to remove our sin and also to provide us all of the benefits that God can give, that only God can give. He provides an eternal mediation. And then Hebrews goes on and says not only that, but he provides an eternal salvation. Verse 26 through 28, I'll start there. Actually, I'll start back in verse 25 again. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself." For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. The idea is this, Jesus was and always is and always remains perfect, right? And again, like we mentioned earlier, these Old Testament priests of the law, they were imperfect, they were sinful. And so before they could even offer a sacrifice for your sins, they had to offer one for their own. And daily they had to keep offering sacrifices for their own sins because they were people just like you and I who were sinful. And then again, one day they were going to die. And in their death, they no longer were effective to provide the forgiveness, to provide the life that you and I needed. And yet Jesus comes along and Jesus is perfectly man and perfectly God. And he has no need now to offer sacrifices for his own sins because he's God in the flesh. And then, yes, Jesus died, but guess what? He rose again. And now he eternally lives to provide salvation to those who come to him. And so unlike these Old Testament priests, Jesus can provide an eternal salvation because he can cleanse us from our sin in a way that they never could. When I was a uh, freshman or sophomore in college, one day it rained pretty hard as it often does around here. We got a really rough thunderstorm and after the storm outside the ground was just soaking wet and there was a field next to the dorm where I lived that just was full of mud and so we thought hey this is a great opportunity so uh, some of us in the dorm some of us guys got out there and we played mud football for a couple hours it was the dirtiest I have ever been in my life it's caked with mud from head to toe all of us uh, were unrecognizable simply brown covered in mud and uh, it was a great time But the reality is after that time, we had to clean up, right? So that we wouldn't go somewhere and completely make it messy and nasty. So wouldn't come up to our clean friends and give them a hug and make them dirty. But the problem is this, we're all standing outside, we're all covered in mud and I cannot clean anybody else. I can't walk up to you when I'm covered with mud. I can't walk up to you and go, let me brush that off of you, right? I'm not going to grab a towel and hand it to you because I'm going to foul it, right? not going to grab clean clothes and hand them to you because I'm just going to get them muddy. We needed help, right? We needed somebody clean with a hose or something to help us out. And the reality is we did not take advantage of that opportunity well. And we did walk into our dorm and we made the entire thing filthy. 
made the public uh, restrooms in there filthy. And then other people went in and they also were made dirty as a result of our dirt. And we just spread it all across the dorm. We got a talking to from the RA actually after that. When I'm dirty and messy, I can't make someone else clean. That was the problem with the Old Testament priests. They're covered in sin. How can they forever cleanse me? Well, they can't. There had to be someone who was perfect. And that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, now risen from the dead, is eternally perfect, eternally able to provide salvation to those who will believe in him. And that ultimately is the message of Jesus Christ that we see at Christmas. As Jamie said earlier, the baby in a manger doesn't stay a baby in a manger. And so, yes, the wise men and the shepherds, they come before him and they worship this baby. But it's significant not because of the cuteness of a baby in a manger, but because that baby is God in the flesh who grew, as the scripture says, in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man and was filled with the wisdom of God and the perfection of God and the beauty of God. And he lived a life that was absolutely free of sin so that he could be a perfect sacrifice on my behalf, on your behalf, and then rose again, completely defeating death and sin. And by his resurrection, God says, yeah, I accept that sacrifice once and for all. And now he forever sits in the heavens, holy, unstained, clean, undefiled, and able to forever serve as the savior of those who will come to him. That's the message of Christmas. And the reason that I want to briefly point that out this morning from Hebrews 7 is this, because again, I think as we go into Christmas, uh, yeah, we're excited about finishing final. Some of you are excited about graduating. You're excited about spending time with family and getting and receiving presents, doing all of the Christmassy stuff. But in the midst of it, the challenge of the scripture is to remember Jesus Christ, who is at the center of Christmas and not only at the center of Christmas, but at the center of all of God's creation because it is through Jesus Christ that all of God's creation will find redemption and its ultimate fulfillment. And that includes you and me. And so you go home and it's a difficult time. Maybe your parents don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't know. Maybe they're resistant to the walk with Christ that you have. Maybe they know the Lord and they're still resistant to the depths to which you really want to know him and walk with him. And so being at home is a tough time. And so in the midst of that, what we're called to do is we walk in and we remind ourselves daily that Christmas is about Jesus Christ and our life is about Jesus Christ. The meaning and the purpose of our life derives from him. Maybe it is that you've got great parents. Maybe your parents are walking with the Lord and they want to help you walk with the Lord and help you know him. And so you go home and your role is just simply to continually remind your family. We're not here for just the presence. We're here to know Jesus Christ, to worship Jesus Christ. And so, again, the challenge for us as we go home is this. Daily be in the word of God. Focus your eyes on him and on his son, Jesus Christ. Each morning when you get up, sing a few of these songs that we're going to sing in worship of Jesus Christ. If someone else shares a room with you at home, just do it quietly, right? And remind yourself moment by moment, day by day, that Jesus Christ is the center of Christmas and he's the center of your life. Call a friend who's in another city. Ask him, hey, how's it going? Remembering Jesus Christ. Because the gifts are going to fade away. And what's going to remain is Jesus. 
So we're going to spend the next 25 or 30 minutes here before we leave. We're going to sing some more songs. We're going to hear some more scripture because we want to walk out in a mindset in which we are figuratively and maybe literally kneeling at the feet of Jesus Christ this season and remembering that he lasts forever. The gifts, even our bodies that we have right now, although they'll be resurrected, won't last forever. The time that we spend with our family, although we can invest it wisely, it's going to be gone in a few weeks. What's going to last forever is Jesus Christ. And so we want to pour our lives into knowing him, into serving him, into worshiping him. That's what we're going to do this morning. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to sing a little bit more. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we thank you that in it we find the testimony of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for us. We thank you that he is eternal and lasts forever and lives forever. And through him we have eternal life if we believe. I pray for those who are going home that may have family who doesn't believe in Jesus or is resistant to their walk with the Lord. I pray they would demonstrate the grace and the love of Jesus Christ and remember what Jesus is calling them to be, a light in the darkness. Father, allow each of us not to get caught up in the distractions that our culture throws at us, whether it's materialism or stress, but instead allow us to sit quietly and worship at the feet of Jesus Christ each day, each moment. Lord, thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name.